0: As a warning to our listeners, this episode was recorded face-to-face in a hotel room using Max's microphone, and we assumed that we were using both sides of the microphone simultaneously. The settings, however, were incorrectly set, so what we get is one recording sounding good and the other person sounding like they're simply shouting in the background, which is more or less how the whole interview went down anyway, so I guess it's fair.
1: Welcome to the Insecurity Show. This is episode 17, where we're going to talk about social engineering, finally. You can follow along with the show notes at in-security.org slash ep017. You can also visit our website at in-security.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Insecurity Show.
0: Send us emails or feedback at feedback at in-security.org. My name's Max. My name's Max. And we're live! We're sitting (laughs) in the same room. We're live together um, for the first time since we've started recording this show.
1: This is awesome. I'm Uh, in Vancouver. I'm here for West, And I'm sitting across from my good friend Matt.
0: I'm in Vancouver. I'm here because it makes a lot more sense to live here than it does anywhere else in Canada. (laughs) I'm sitting across from my friend Max.
1: Yeah, and this episode... Finally going to get around to talking about social engineering.
0: Yes, which we started hyping up, I think, in episode two. Or three. Was it three? I could have been. Episode two or three. I'm not sure. But I was very excited about it back then, and I'm still very excited about it back now. Is that actually going to be our our episode? Yeah. So we are currently sitting in...
1: On the 15th floor.
0: 15th floor of the Delightful Hotel... In downtown Vancouver, in the heart of downtown Vancouver, uh, and we're overlooking the court building, but we're also overlooking a church. And uh, I can see some people playing basketball in the YMCA. Do you want to give props to a hotel where you're staying? Do you want to endorse a
1: hotel? No, I don't care, but uh, but we are here, right? It's like a 4 check-in. You don't give props when you're four-square checking in. You right? say it's that like, you're
0: there. You say that like by actively going to a place... You are then endorsing the place by saying that you would patronize it.
1: Work patronized it. Would you
0: patronize this place if it were not for the fact that it was
1: paid for for you by work? Sex work. Pretty pimping wo- <laughs> room.
0: It is a very pimpin' room. <laughs> and it's, a and and it's bit got
1: upset. a build your own mini
0: bar. <laughs> so, one of the greatest features of this hotel room is that it includes a build your own mini bar, which is essentially an empty fridge. They don't trust that they can calculate how much you use and charge you for it appropriately.
1: That's not true. There's $4.50 water bottles sitting right there.
0: They leave some warm water bottles sitting out that are one liter for $4.50 Canadian. And you can literally, literally go downstairs outside to a myriad of stores in the immediate vicinity. And get more water for less. And also, the tap water here is pretty good. It is. Because we live in I've, Van- I've been uh, using I'm, it. I, I live in Vancouver. You're visiting. Just visiting. I am. So, what do you think about... Uh, you're here in Vancouver. Just for, for context, for anyone who cares, or anyone who's <laughs> listening, just for context, you're here in Vancouver for the CANSEC West. Yes. The Canadian West Coast Security Conference. Yeah. And right now, back home, you're having 25 centimeters of snow, and it's still going. Yes. And outside today, you were saying that you were shivering a little bit.
1: But it was 11 because degrees. Because you were wearing... A, short sleeves oh, under...
0: Short sleeves under a thin jacket.
1: Yeah, zip-up. It would, It's not even a jacket. It's like an in, indoor type of...
0: It's a track zip suit. Up. Track, suit. A track, yeah. suit track suit. Track top. So, yeah. Um, what what are your thoughts on that, then, Max?
1: I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm not going to lie.
0: You should uh, you should talk to some of those companies downstairs and see if they have positions available.
1: There's one guy who stated that he would try to poach me from my current workplace.
0: Does he work in Vancouver? Yes. There you go. So where was the issue about try?
1: Uh, I said that I'd look into the company and see if it's something that I'd be willing to work for. It's a startup.
0: <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> How are you doing this week, buddy? What's news? What's exciting? What uh, you've been you've been dealing with this this can-sec West. Yeah. Uh, do you have any anecdotes to tell the show, or is that something we'll do for
1: episode next? Next for another episode. Yeah, for another episode. I think uh, we'll cover that in another episode. There's still two more days to go. Just had the intro day to today. There's a party to go, so I'll save my interpretation until after i've had a chance to digest
0: will you try and save your dignity throughout this party Um, i don't really know i honestly have absolutely no concept of what a a computer security conference would be like i assume that the uh, after parties are going to be just off the wall
1: i assume that it's going to be like any other party where there's vendors trying to ply you with alcohol to make you have a good impression of them afterwards just like anything else, yeah, yeah. I, I assume it's the same with every other niche little market. Um, when when you actually go to these events, they ply you with alcohol. They try to. Last time I was at one was, well, no. So I've been to a, a couple back in Toronto where we've thrown parties and had vendors pay for alcohol, and they come in and schmooze you all over the place and buy you extra alcohol for free. Um, But when I was in Vegas, you know, the security companies were like, hey, look, we're in Vegas. We can show you that we're ballers. And, you know, there's... Did that get out
0: of hand? I assume that that would get out of hand very quickly. That
1: got out of hand. I was was late to the next day's conference. I
0: went for a bachelor party.
1: Oh, I I went for a nerd fest. And I actually said, I'm not going to do anything but nerd stuff. See how I edited myself there? Mm. Anyways.
0: So yeah. Do you have any uh, any feedback? No. Any housekeeping? Any follow-up? Good. Good. I don't know why you're laughing. It's just follow-up. We should do an episode. We should talk. I've got an idea for this episode. All right. I think we should probably discuss social engineering. It's a good idea. I agree. You know how I did that? I social engineered you into it. Ah, tricky. No, it, it's not. It's not even a funny joke. I tried to make that joke before, and it still wasn't funny then. This is it a joke?
1: Uh,
0: is it latency? Is your Skype cutting out? No, I'm sitting right here. I think you're lagging. I think you're lagging. Look lagging. at my resolution. Oh, God, it's terrible. <laughs> Max,
1: I'll
0: wait for it to reconnect. <laughs> Moving right along.
1: Yeah, so, okay, let's do an episode on social engineering. Do you want to define what social engineering is?
0: Engineering is when they drive trains. Those people are <laughs> called engineers. Yes, yes, it is. So, social engineers is when a group drives a train. <laughs> Not even close. I. Can't possibly re on this. I've broken it down. The Latin for engineer is train driver. Of course. <laughs> like engineer is the English word. The Latin for it is train driver. <laughs> I don't know where that joke was going, but it's gotten even better now.
1: <laughs> so, the way I think about it is social engineering's a mix of psychology and the hacker mindset of trying to find and exploit vulnerabilities it's just in people right so like any tool social engineering can be used for either good or bad right so my job that i do for company xyz is actually social engineering people for good for for getting them to Um, to follow my advice because that's all that it is is advice right so the construct that we have is that i tell people where the problems are well beforehand so that they can actually go and address those Um, but it's up to them if they want to just live with those risks or not and i let them know beforehand that's the case too
0: so in a large part uh, managers are all about social engineering sure that kind of thing directors and so on and so forth
1: so there's there is a bit of a hierarchy discussion as well where you know if i'm in control of somebody who's reporting to me then you know it's it's kind of they're my direct report i directly control their feedback and um, i can rate them lower than they are based on you know how they perform and whatnot right so it's not really social engineering. It's it's more like other duties as assigned, as I'm constantly told by my boss at work. Right? It's like these are the things that you have to do regardless of if they're in your job description. Right? So social engineering is really getting to a scale where you don't have someone directly reporting to you, but you're able to convince them to do something, whether for good or for bad.
0: So generally, from a malicious perspective, social engineering is trying to convince somebody that you have no immediate standing over, you have no control over, to try and convince them to perform some function that they normally wouldn't or that they could, but for you, who has absolutely no bearing on them.
1: So I I think that a malicious social engineer would do it for something that's in the opposite of the best interest for the individual who's providing the information.
0: Well, it doesn't necessarily need to be in the opposite of the best interest of the individual. It needs to be into the interest of whoever is doing the engineering. that's good. So I could potentially try and get you to do something that is completely mundane for you, but will absolutely benefit me. And social engineering goes all the way across the board. It does not necessarily need to be in a computer or IT type situation. Right. It could be as mundane as having someone, you know, make the coffee for you in the morning. You don't necessarily, like, that's not within their job scope. That's not something that they're supposed to be doing. But you convince them without having any necessary signori any necessary position any necessary um reasoning to be above them you convince them that they should do this that they should do this for you is that potentially an okay way to think about it
1: yeah that's a good way to think about it like sort of abstracted obviously but yeah yeah that's right so it's not necessarily harmful to them it's just beneficial to you great right. Yeah.
0: Now, super maliciously, in the long run, it's going to be harmful to them potentially.
1: Well, it could it could impact their career. It could uh, have all sorts of bad effects directly to them once the, the scoops up.
0: Right, but won't necessarily even. There's a lot of instances wherein.
1: Right, so it might be used to involved. convince a security guard that they should let you in through this locked door and bypass their processes or whatever. Right, right. or or it could be hey, would you mind getting me a coffee or would you mind printing up my resume for me or right. whatever, right? And to the individual, it might only be that and it's not a big deal because, hey, you're a charming individual. Mm-hmm. And I mean, social engineering in itself can be confused with uh, the variety of human interactions that we deal with on a daily basis. I think what changes it is that social engineering is actually the act of... Recognizing how people psychologically deal with things and using that to your advantage. Right. And it might be to somebody else's advantage as well, right? So there, there could be um, misanthropic. No, not that. Um, what's it called? It could just be something. Samaritan. Of, Samaritanism? It could just be an act of being helpful, right? Like if someone has bad breath and you go, oh man, uh, I find that this mint's really good and I'm going to have one. Do you want one? Right. And you just convince them to get it and you accomplish what you want and you benefit their social graces around the environment that they're in.
0: Right.
1: Uh, so there's actually a bunch of points that I want to talk about, sort of like a formula for social engineering. do I want to get through, but the first and most important and most time consuming part of all of this is doing research on the person that you want to social engineer.
0: Oh, I thought you just meant doing research on social engineering because I spent all weekend doing that. I watched both Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. (laughs) And throughout the course of the entire movie, as anyone knows, Axel Foley just very excellent at social engineering. wasted
1: my whole weekend. (laughs) So, yeah, social engineering in and of itself is, you know, figuring out how to put these puzzle pieces together. So the type of research that I mean is researching the company that you're trying to social engineer, researching, you know, what possible ends you would have with them, researching the hobbies of the individuals that you want to communicate better with.
0: Not so much necessarily just the company, but the individual as well.
1: Right. So famous uh, example is somebody is uh, an avid stamp collector has nothing to do with their role in the company or what they do. But it's your way of convincing them to click on a link to open up, see my stamp collection that I'm thinking of selling. Right. It's totally personal, totally outside of the professional environment. They probably should know better than clicking on a link within their enterprise. But this just hits so close to home of their interest in their hobby that, oh, what's the harm?
0: Well, also building a connection with somebody. Oh, for sure. You want to make that person way more susceptible. Like I know for a fact from having worked years of customer service, if somebody calls in and they're jerk to me, I don't really care what's going on in their life or what's going on in their uh, whatever their issues might be. If they're mean or rude, I don't really care. right? And I'm not going to go out of my way to try and help them. If someone calls in, they're nice to me, I make a connection with them. I am way more likely to try and help them out. And that's just a social condition that I know that I experience all the time.
1: So that's interesting because there is a social condition called mirroring and that's one of the techniques the social engineer will use, right? Is that whole thought that you, you attract more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. You put out the sweet and you get what you want, right? Rather than being self-involved and deprecating to others to think that you'll get what you want. You invoke one mood to somebody else and they feel an obligation to respond likewise.
0: Right. Now that in part is mirroring. There's also other aspects to mirroring based on if you're dealing with someone directly in real life not necessarily over the phone or not necessarily over the computer or the internet in a digital sense Hmm. If you're dealing with someone cor- uh, directly, you can you can employ mirroring to a much greater degree. You can actually mimic their their movements, their
1: actions. Sure. If you're out to dinner with somebody, right? You're out to dinner with somebody. They go cool to eat something. To the bar. They go to eat something. You do the same. They go for a drink. You follow quickly after with having a drink of your own, right? Then they associate you as being almost like part of the herd. Right, and trustworthy by association.
0: Following body language as well. If they're if their arms are crossed, that's a closed body type or body position. You right. then um, mimic it, and slowly they will open it up, and you can open it up as well, and they'll feel like you're accepting them.
1: That's a good point. Uh, what I really liked is the fact that you talked about physical interaction. So, like, like we're in the same room right now. We're talking physically present, can see each other's expressions right away. There's no Skype lag. It's
0: three dimensional.
1: The whole sense of, you know, carrying on a conversation through email versus a phone call versus human interaction. You lose so much of the dimension because you're missing all of those non-visual cues, right? Or stress in voice cues, intonation, right? Mm-hmm. If you're missing that, you're missing the majority of the message. And they say that the actual words themselves that are typed into an email right, make up maybe at most 30% of the communication. Right. right. So if you're sitting in front of somebody, you're having a conversation, that's like 90 to 100% of the communication flow right there that you're picking up on. Just because you're present and you can get the tone, you can get the non-visual cues, you can see if somebody's upset by something that you say mm-hmm. and you need to readjust your posture, your conversation or whatever. If you're over the phone then it dips down to like 60%, right? And if you're just over email, then at best you're, you're fishing for 30%. Right. So by all means, if, if you're going to do social engineering on anybody, if you cannot physically be present, don't substitute for email. Go to that next step for the phone.
0: Things like email scams can in a way essentially be social engineering.
1: Oh, well, they, they work mainly on being very vague, Right. Across a huge amount of people or by being very precise to an individual person after you've done all of this research that we talked about and research, research, research is going to come up time and time again. Right. It is the fundamental, most important thing. And it should take in any social engineering engagement far beyond 50 percent of the time. It should take like 70 to like 80 percent of the time. Right. Right actually going over the stuff that you want to communicate to somebody, practicing, building up the confidence in yourself. Um, so let's talk about the other parts of social engineering then. So pretexting, it's the backstory for your story that you're going to go and talk to somebody about. Mm-hmm. You've done research on an individual, you know what they're like, right? And you want to be that matching puzzle piece that's cut out in the same way that they want to sync with you you found out what they're interested in you're going to go into the conversation um you know playing off of that so you've got a backstory that's similar they can finish your sentences or whatever right it's just there's there's this connection that you've fabricated if it doesn't actually exist there or you found somebody who actually genuinely holds a hobby that you know if they don't hold a hobby that you genuinely are interested in guess what you got to do research on that hobby right and get up to speed enough so that you can talk about it convincingly to the person so that they don't feel something's weird with this conversation another topic and it's a very broad topic but it's called framing right so framing is maybe the uniform that you wear right you know somebody's uh, company xyz uses company abc to do their um, their garbage collection right so you get the uniform, same as the company ABC has. And you go to their security guard and you say, I'm with this company, you know, where can I go and find their garbage? Uh, their, I, I need their printed garbage. I don't need their cafeteria garbage, right? And I need to spend some time looking in this area because maybe there's an issue, right? And, and I need to spend some time looking through the dumpster's contents. So there you go. You've just socially engineered the security guard who's monitoring the cameras. They can see your feet, twitching outside of the dumpster as you scan through the contents of it and they think that they've just saved the company's day.
0: They assume that it's perfectly acceptable.
1: Right, because you've framed the interaction in such a way that this is normal. And maybe even you've touched base with them beforehand saying, hey, this company is going to come by and look at our dumpster configuration and everything's okay, right? Maybe you spoof an email or something like that. So you can start integrating technology into it where you have that informal can't respond to this person because of social pressures or just because they're saying they're out of office or whatnot, right? So they wouldn't want to respond to it. Um, and then you've set up the scenario where this person can come in and be accepted. Right. Framing's way wider than just dress, right? And apparel. It's it's the way that you approach a situation. a
0: specific
1: role. It. It can be the way that you have the conversation, right? You can talk to somebody about something that they did that upset you in a way that is either derogatory to the person, like I can't believe you did this, or, you know, oh, the, my boss came back to me and he's a little concerned about the way that this interaction happened. And, you know, I just I don't want, want to end up in that same situation. So is there anything that we can do when we address my boss to make sure that this doesn't happen. Same message, right? Well, maybe not same message to the individual because they hear the different message because it's framed differently. Right? It's let's be a team and work together and accomplish something. Or like I got in trouble and because everything flows downhill, you're getting in trouble. Right? So it's There's do you want to build somebody up or do you want to crush them?
0: Presumably an infinite amount of variations on these
1: yeah and you can actually even frame yourself which is really cool right you can convince yourself if you're having a bad day Mm -hmm. right you can say well look at these other people who are having a bad life right and you can reframe yourself to think about a situation that you're in in a different way and have a different attitude in the way that you approach something and thus present yourself in a different way to somebody so that they have a positive attitude back to you, that they fall back on that mirroring concept. Another thing that's related to framing but isn't exactly framing is this concept of preloading. This is this is something where you're starting to subliminally plant messages into people's minds. So you can say something like, you know, I haven't gone for ramen in a really long time. And I, I just... You know, I'm thinking about it a lot. I've got this craving, the The way it smells, you know, that taste that goes along with it. You know, you can get that shaved pork on top. Just this sensory thing that you start communicating across can start getting somebody else thinking about it. And then you let that sit for a while, right? And you've preloaded that thought into their mind. And then you come back another day and you present something else to them where they might be interested In ramen, Like maybe there's a a discount over at this ramen shop. You just happen to sneak it into whatever materials on their desk or, you know, going by. And then you get maybe some other people involved. And next thing you know, hey, we're going for lunch. Where should we go to this person? And they go, well, you know, everybody's talking about this ramen place. Why don't we go there and have this great bowl of ramen? I'm pretty excited to try it out. So you've actually set this scenario up for them by preloading them with information along the way. And you can do it very subliminally, or you can, you know, do a pity plea through this technique or whatnot. But uh and it's able to get you into situations where you want, right? And feeds into that obligation part that side of mirroring as well. So the whole point of the social engineering stuff that we're talking about is You want somebody to cough up the goods, right? You want them to disclose something. And the term through social engineering is called elicitation, right? So you're eliciting them to provide stuff that you want, right? Or to do something for you, to give you access to an area or whatnot. And there's a bunch of other techniques to this, to how to get somebody to elicit this information or access or whatnot to you. Uh, And we're just, as normal, at the early stage of this covering the, the top level stuff. Another technique that you can actually do is if you know the as you're picking it up from communicating to someone, you can actually say a deliberately false statement and get them to correct you, right? Yes. So you can you can actually fish for information by you know, maybe leaving your sentences incomplete or um, you know putting out something that's deliberately false and saying, oh, I've heard Uh, that, you know, company XYZ does this and they go, oh, well, actually, you know, we've been working with them based on the research that you've done. And they'll, you know, come to their defense or whatnot and, and give you information that you don't have. Fill in those blanks and then you can use that back to them. So, there's some very foundational, big books that cover social engineering. Mm-hmm. There's one that's, that's so huge that I think manipulative, but other people think that it's, you know, the gospel for doing sales or whatnot. And it's how to make friends and influence people. And it comes down to, you know, the psychology of, of individuals, things that they like to hear. So use the person's name a lot, right, Matt? So appeal to them by using their name. You can't say their name enough. It's like honey to them. The whole context in which an individual comes to an interaction is it's the all about me interaction. You want to appeal to them. You want to flatter them. You want to do whatever to make them feel like an appreciated, a big person that they can go on, uh, you know, in, in, Divulge information to you or whatnot, right? right? And essentially, you want you want to track this information back to them. So that that's a really great reference as far as social engineering goes. I mentioned podcasts at the beginning of this. There's another podcast that deals specifically with social engineering called the Social Engineer Podcast, and it's at social-engineer.org. And the early episodes really dive deep into the content. Mm-hmm. They got a little light. And then the most recent episode, again, boom, right deep down into the content. They do the um, neuro-linguistic programming guy. Um. So there's a show on TV called Lie to Me.
0: Right.
1: And it's based loosely around this guy's life right, and, and the research that he did. Ackman. Paul Ackman.
0: Okay.
1: So uh, it's based around, yeah.
0: We're potentially going to get angry. This, this whole it's I, I'm not sure whether it's a science or a pseudoscience, but this idea behind NLP mm. or neuro linguistic programming. Right. Um, neuro linguistic programming, among other things, is allegedly a huge mix of body language, mirroring, social engineering, all kinds of. These things built into um, built into trying to control people via speech and interaction
1: with them, right? And it's this subliminal planting of messages throughout a conversation, right? Right, and touching somebody in a certain way that evokes friendship at the right time, and all this stuff. Um, maybe I'm mistaken. The the Paul Ekman thing I think was about micro expressions mainly, so. There's this concept of microexpression is that humans are transparent and then they try to cover it up. So if you say something that invokes a thought to somebody, an immediate reaction will happen in a microsecond of disgust, of fear, of happiness, of whatever, right? And then they'll go their brain will say, That's not appropriate for the social sort of situation. I'm gonna cover this up right away, right? And I'm going to portray something else and it, there's really great reference material on this on like the Oliver North trials Clinton about Monica Lewinsky you know there's all sorts of fantastic reference out there as to you know what what microexpressions are and where you can see it you know when when somebody's clearly lying that the fact has come out after the fact right they know that they're lying and they're trying to Rephrase the question into such a way, or, or cover up and just flat a lie.
0: So again, this is part of where I can't really tell whether it's a science or a pseudoscience.
1: Oh, it's definitely a science. You can train yourself to detect these micro By default, as humans, you know we're very trusting in, in a society that people aren't lying to us. So just as somebody will be transparent in the lie for you know microsecond the ability to detect that is out there and you can do online courses and train it up but there's there's online courses where you can go and train up your intelligence um, by practicing these puzzles and whatnot and the same things they're out there for you know training up your ability to detect micro expressions and you can make a game out of it yourself by watching tv and seeing the actors that are on like fox news or whatever you know, microexpressions give an indication that somebody is not being truthful. So another way of seeing if somebody's is lying is if they refuse to abbreviate letters. If they refuse to use things like "won't" or "can't" and and use the longer version of "will not" or "cannot."
0: That does not sound like anything that I have ever done.
1: Right. So that's an indication that somebody's not being truthful because. If they felt comfortable in the situation, they'd say, that's not something I'd ever do, right? They'd they'd shorten it because that's the way that we talk. That's the way the humans interact. If they have to think about it and and make it formal, then that's not how they're really feeling. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to spend all episode talking about how people are broken and they're going to do these things that somebody asks of them, if they ask in this convincing way by having social engineered them the way to actually solve this in my estimation i don't know what other people think about it but from my experience it's having a process out there right and saying you cannot release passwords unless you collect this information and validate it to be true you will not go and do this activity without somebody have you you won't grant somebody access to the back dumpster you know without them having having validated it with the company that does the garbage disposal through the secondary means. The process has to be developed for one, people to fall back on it and depend on it. And two, for people to know that the process needs to be followed and, and that it exists. Right? Otherwise, if people want to do things willy-nilly on their own, you won't have the consistency that will be able to will- weed these things out. You'll definitely have people that are more trusting in nature to do these things. But if you have a process out there that says you have to follow this process to make sure that somebody doesn't do the wrong thing and you will be held accountable if you do the wrong thing, then there's the incentive for somebody to rely on the process.
0: This process inevitably breaks down in a variety of places. One, people are lazy. Two, people are lazy. And three, you would have to have a process in place for literally everything.
1: So you, you, need- you cannot
0: eat a bagel unless you confirm beforehand that it does not have truth serum in it. Because while you are at the coffee shop, if you provide this information to the bagel vendor while having eaten this bagel filled with truth serum, and then they ask you specific questions about the process we have in place for the garbage man... Like it,
1: yeah, so you you choose your battle. you choose where you want to have process, where it's important to have this, right? And it's typically for you know unfortunately, the lesser paid employees that run help desks and whatnot, so that they have a consistent way to approach a situation and convey the company's message through this right and uh, that it something they might not know is important is protected,
0: right. and that's still going to break down especially if you're looking at instances where you have a large corporation where you've got the low-end or entry-level people with consistent um, turnover.
1: And to be honest, it doesn't have to be a low-end. It doesn't have to be an entry-level person, though, right? No, 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 no. Like, it, it happens at the higher levels. People decide to not follow process, right? But then they're clearly accountable for the actions that they do because the process is in place and it spells that out for them and you've got an acceptable use policy or whatever that dictates this and you know mea culpa whatever somebody did something wrong and the company has to deal with the disciplinary actions that you know you attach to that process
0: more often than not susceptibility to apathy starts Lower down, and by gaining access to lower down, you can then move up the ladder.
1: Oh, I, I've seen million. <clears throat> I've seen middle managers that are apathetic.
0: Oh no, absolutely. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying. More often than not, um, apathy is most easily reached. Like I'm not saying that this is the way that most people go about it, but from my perspective, it would be wicked easy to get at people who just don't care what information they give out yeah. by approaching the lower rungs first.
1: Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. The only way to defend against this is to have processes in place, mm-hmm. right? Where you validate, I mean, I've called up people before and they have to validate my, you know, date of birth before they'll disclose information to me. Right. And potentially I can social engineer around that. But if it's rigid, and rigorous and people are screening the phone calls the managers are listening in and people are disciplined against this if they fail to do this right then quickly weed out the people that can't follow process right and you're left with the people who do follow process to recognize that this is the important step in their day to ensure that you know the company's not on the front page of the Globe and Mail or whatever.
0: Mildly entertaining anecdote again. At one point, I had canceled a credit card because it was potentially eligible to be compromised. It was not compromised, but it was eligible to be compromised, and the reason and the people that compromised it were the credit card company. So what had happened is. I received a phone call from an anonymous third party who was not in actuality anonymous. They're anonymous for the point of this show. They were willing to give me any information that I asked for. They called me up out of the goodness of their heart. And they said, hey, so I've just been contacted by your credit card company. And I have to let you know that there's this past due balance on your, like, I'm letting you know that there's this past due balance on your card and they're about to cancel it. And I said, well, wh- who are you? Where are you calling from? And he said, I am this person. I'm calling from my house. I was just contacted by Visa. And I was given all of your personal information. And I looked it up and I found you and I called you. And Weird. And I then contacted, like, because I had not given out any information to this guy. He provided it all to me. I gave him nothing. Right. Um, I then called Visa and they said, Oh yeah, we just called you to let you know that like your cards are about to be canceled. I'm like, No, you didn't call me. What number did you have on file? They're like, Well, I had this spot, I had this number, which was my old cell phone number. My bad. I didn't update my phone number. However, they then called up this guy who was at my phone number, and that's apparently all the validation that they wanted at that time. Huh. They said, Okay, look, you've got this balance owing on your card. He was like, Yeah, that's not my card. Like, well, are you not Matthew? And he said, no, I'm not.
1: Is this not your social and, insurance number? Yeah, is this like not they, your address? Is they, this not your?
0: They apparently gave him enough information to actually be able to validate my credit card anywhere. Wow. Right. They said like, they were like, well, my birthday is this. What do you have on file? They're like, well, no, I've got like, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that no, that that's clearly not me. So, at that point, I called the credit card company. I then canceled my card. I told them, look, take any of this information off of your questions that you can ask people to validate because it's no longer secure. This one dude that you guys decided to call, according to him, and I assume that it's true because there's no other... How else would I get the information, right? Get this. Um, because it's not something that I'd provide generously. I said, take all of this information off. Because regardless, if he is a scammer, he's got this information. Right. If he is an honest citizen, he's got this information anyway. Yeah. So I said, take all of this off. You cannot ask this anymore to validate me. I will give you, like, uh, ask me anything else. I'll give you, like, questions. I'll give you numbers. I'll give you security passwords. I'll give you PIN numbers. I'll give you... Anything you want, but you cannot ask any of these things. Mm. And then a couple of months down the line, I then had to contact my credit card company again. Uh, I had a question about a charge on my bill. It was something that I had, in fact, done, and I just had a question about it. I called them up, and they just went through all the generic validation questions, right? which were quite literally everything that I had told, told them, them not to use. Every time not to use. And then after they asked me that, I said, I chastised that guy. I said, look, listen, I I cannot have you asking these questions. Because if you provide any information about this now to anyone who can answer those questions, then they can pretend to be me super easily. And I cannot change my date of birth. That is not a piece of information right. that I can change. Yeah, I cannot change my mother's maiden name. Right, That's not something available to me to change. And this is something like a piece of information that they had given out Jeez. to this guy. And I was so flabbergasted at the uh, uh, at finding out that they had provided this. And also, when I spoke with one of the reps, they had actually confirmed that the call had taken place and showed like that in some obscure way through the notes that they had or something to that effect, that they had provided information to this guy. So he wasn't making it up. Yeah. And he was just a good Samaritan who had tracked me down and called me wow. in much the same way that, like, recently I've been getting a whole bunch of phone calls from Hydro saying, look, if you don't pay your bill, we're going to shut off all your electricity and you're going to be screwed. I'm like, no, I pay my bill on a very consistent basis. Like, literally the second it shows up. And now i found out that my old... Or my current cell phone number is someone's old cell phone number who still has it on file. And I've called them and I've told them to take it off. But I still keep getting these phone calls saying, right. we're about to shut down your electricity. You're huh. going to be living in the cold. I can't track down that person because they, I'm not going to call them up and try and get information about them. Right. But that's just astonishing that some dude was able to socially engineer these guys without even trying. Like, right. He didn't even socially engineer them. He yeah. He called yeah. them and they... Uh, They called him
1: and and volunteered the information as he said. Assuming that he was have on who answered the phone. Basically.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So a couple powerful messages in that. One is phone numbers can be spoofed, right? So if you want to call somebody and social engineer them, you can spoof the phone number of who you're calling from to be, you know, the person that you intend to social engineer as, the pretext ads, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one is... Email. You can spoof emails. Right. So so you can spoof emails and you can set out this preloading or framing of the interaction that's going to come saying, I'm a busy boss. I'm going on vacation. You know, whatever you do, don't forget that so-and-so is coming to look at our dumpsters. Mm-hmm. Right. Then, you know, it's going to be dressed like this and looks like this and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then sure enough, you show up dressed like that. Say hey, uh, your boss said that you know I can take a look at the dumpsters, you know, special favor for him, and blah blah blah. I want to get this report done in time, so you know, just let me do it. Just let me get into <laughs> just, the
0: dumpsters. And just just
1: let me let me into the land room, right? I he said that you'd give me a tour of the land room, and the person goes and they give you a tour of where all the servers are and all that stuff, and you know, whatever, you know, it's just Go back to the dumpsters. It's funnier. Well, the Golden them dumpsters right. Oh, there is yellow gold. Post-it notes containing passwords and whatnot. Mm. So yeah, that is what I wanted to cover for the social engineering context. But before our listeners go, I want to give them a, an assignment. Okay. Yeah. So well, this I is do. this is my Tyler Durden School of Social Engineering assignment. Right. So go out, find somebody that you don't know, and. Ask an open-ended question, right? Not a yes or no answer. Ask a question that requires some explanation. And don't interject opinions into this. Don't don't bring in your past into this. Just take what information they have and then ask a follow-up question based on you know, what you heard. And maybe then start going out into an experience that you think might be similar. And then ask them to confirm if that's a similar Uh, experience uh, if your similar experience is like what they do or, or whatever information you're going after from them and just keep going through this routine as long as you can and offer up maybe a personal foible of yourself right show a vulnerability and see if they react by showing you a vulnerability of their own right and just work at opening them up and getting this conversation going as far as you can, it doesn't have to be a real foible of yours or whatever. It just has to be convincing to them that they think you're being genuine and open and that they will, in fact, do the same. Right. But they'll provide real information. So see how much information you can get.
0: Um, yeah, no, absolutely. It's very, very good social experiment and also super fun to be here.
1: Before we leave this topic, there's, there's this really cool thing that I picked up that I I think is fantastic in framing somebody and it's how you approach them. So if you approach a right-handed person, typically their mess area at their workspace will be on their left-hand side of their desk, right? Mm -hmm. And they associate mentally that left-hand side of their desk with all the work that they have to get to and all the stress and all that stuff. And on the right-hand side, they've made a nice clean space for themselves right where it's the positive side stuff right it's the stuff that's accomplished it's done all of that right if it's a left handed person it might be reverse if it's a right-hand person it still might be reverse you just go and you look and observe their workspace as you go to approach them and then you position yourself into that positive space and they will naturally grant you a little bit more of a comfort feeling from that
0: there are so many levels of this that we can go
1: into. I know. It's ridiculous.
0: I know. This is why it's so much fun. I feel like the next 60 or 70 shows are going to be about this.
1: No, no. We'll cover other stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, that's all I wanted to cover. It's great to be sitting here with you and chatting with you. Okay. Make sure you have yourself a good week. All right. You too. You, you enjoy the conference. I think it'll be fun. Thanks, man. I'm looking forward to it. Talk to you later. On
0: behalf of both Max and myself, I'd like to take another opportunity to apologize for the audio quality in this episode and thank you for sticking through it. Have yourselves a great week.